Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. You know, I'm doing a, a series. We're in a series entitled Miracles. I believe that God's a God of miracles. Anybody believe that with me today? He's the God of miracles. Somebody asked me, do you believe in miracles? I said, no, I believe in the God of miracles. See, miracles are not just some power out of the universe that happened to happen. It wasn't luck. The stars crossed. Something took place. No, God is the God of miracles. And we're learning to understand that. The church has lost some of its understanding and experience with the God of miracles. We need to regain that. There's a purpose behind every miracle. There's a design behind every miracle. And I want us to begin to walk in that. Let me uh, share with you another testimony just from yesterday, again, at the Dream Center. Uh, and we're going to see today, one of the things I want to emphasize to us is that God works through ordinary people. How many can say amen to that? God works through ordinary believers, men and women, who just obey God. And, and I want to make sure you connect to that, that God wants to use you and flow through your life. Do you know what I found out? Many, many times when someone asks God for a miracle, they're praying, God, I need a miracle. God, send a miracle. Do you know oftentimes in answer to the prayer for a miracle, God sends a person. There's someone that he works through. There's someone that makes that connection. You know, God wants to do that in our lives. But miracles are not just physical healing. What a wonderful miracle. Uh, miracles are not just those kind. They're miracles of salvation. How many are thankful for being born again, for being saved, and God redeeming us for that? How many are thankful for that? I couldn't tell. You're thankful for being born again, the miracle of salvation. It goes on and on how God works. But here, listen to this. this I, I love how God orchestrates things above and beyond us. And this is just a little insight about how God can be working on a miraculous level, even when we're not aware of it. Uh, th this testimony shared from one of our ladies that was volunteering at the Dream Center yesterday. It said a lady drove in. Now, what we're doing at the Dream Center, because we're, we're not being able, we weren't last year able to have on-site services, it, we just started drive-through uh, feeding people, giving them food through drive-through. And uh, everyone that comes through, we ask them, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? We can pray for them. There's a prayer station at the end. And now we're feeding four times the number of people that we were before we started this. So what looks like a reverse, God's turned to an asset. You can see that line behind me is Sharon. So there, there's faithful workers out on the street directing people in and organizing traffic. Now listen to this. So a lady is in the food line. And uh, she drove in, and when she rolled down her, her window, she said, uh, we asked her about food. She said, I don't need any food. I thought this was some sort of a detour. <laughs> I was just driving down the road and thought the, the detour me over here because there was road work. So she said, can you tell me how to get out of line? And the lady said, I told her if she, if she uh, didn't need any food, if she knew someone that did, we're always work, send them back. But then the lady from Calvary smiled at her through her mask, she said, and was prompted to ask her if she needed prayer. And the lady said, oh, yes, I need prayer. And she responded. She shared her need. And I told her that this was a detour God had planned just for her. And God and began to pray for her. Do you realize that God can work through the detours of life? What looks like a setback might be a setup for God to do something. What, what turned us this way, God was headed you in another way. Do you know I believe that God is sovereignly working to reveal his will and purpose, even if you and I are not consciously aware of it. 
God will use us right where we are. So that, that's exciting. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. Mark 2 and verse 1. In Mark chapter 2, uh, we get a tremendous insight as to the purpose of miracles. I, I want everybody to uh, begin just while we study today. Say, Lord, uh, teach me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Um, I, I, I sense, and, I, and, and, and even talking to Christians, certainly outside the family of God, that we live in a very skeptical culture. We live in a culture where, where we don't want to admit anything's bigger than we are, where we like to be in control, where, where we want to call the shot and not give God the honor he deserves. I believe miracles confront us with the reality of God. How many heard what I just said? Miracles confront this world with the reality of God. So needed. And, and maybe they're more happening than we recognize. So let's look at this. Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Can you see this? This the crowds pressing in. Everybody wanted to see Jesus. He, preaching the word to them. Now watch what happens. Some men who came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat that the paralyzed man was lying on. Now come on, that's pretty radical. Let's be honest. Isn't that amazing? I have to admit, there, there's, there's, there's a couple of elements that, that we need to regain in the American church. One of those is expectation. How many heard what I just said? An expectation. God, I believe you can do anything at any time. How many heard what I just said? God, I want to walk with the awareness that if I can just touch you, if I can get people close to you, if we can touch your presence, you can do anything. A spirit of expectation. Another word that I think we must regain in our journey with the Lord, not only is expectation, but desperation. Desperation. These men were desperate. They were not going to take no for an answer. You know, sometimes our prayer life does not reflect expectation or desperation. We pray two minutes and go on. We pray one time and we go on. You know, there's some people ask me, you know, one of the great privileges of my life has been able to represent the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ in this church. I've been to over 40 nations. I never dreamed in my life that God would give me that privilege. And people have asked me, said, Pastor, is it true that it seems like more miracles happen in other countries than in the U.S.? And it does seem that way. But, you know, we, we, I think we're sometimes asked that question to make an excuse. I think we should ask, ask that question asking God to motivate our faith, asking God to help us to reach out and believe for that. Why do, why do more miracles happen overseas than here? Well, maybe there's just more need there than here. Maybe people respond to need in a different way. Maybe people are more expectant than we are. How many heard what I just said? They're expectant. I know they're more desperate than we are. I've been to crusades in other nations, and I've seen people walk for 10 days to be in a service. That's expected. I've seen people travel for 10 days, walk out of remote areas to be in a place to come in the presence of God. I remember the first time that, that I went into the nation of Burma, still a very anti-Christian and, and very tough place, only one flight in a day. 
And somehow the dates were mixed up on when our, our conference was to begin and, and, and what we thought and what they thought. Now, it's, there's one flight a day in. It's tough to fly there. I've been awake about 36 hours. And uh, when we arrived, and we're so, supposed to start the next day. Well, they were sitting there ready when we walked in. I've been up 36 hours, me and another pastor. And so we came in, and they said, pastors, we're ready for you. I said, okay, I was ready to go to bed. But those people, they said, and they were so excited. These have walked for 10 days to be here. You can't imagine what they paid the price to come be at this place. And I said, okay. So I looked at the guy. I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to tag team. All right, I'll take first. And so we were so exhausted. These people were so hungry. He went in. There was a little cot in this little room, and he laid down. And let me tell you, in those countries, like here in America, after about 20 minutes, we started doing this number. How long is the pastor going to preach? Let's, come on. Let's speed it up. If you can't preach two hours over there, you need to sit down. You're not called. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm dead beat tired. But they were so expectant. And they were so desperate. I said, okay, I'll go first. I preached my heart out for two hours. I walked in there and kicked the cot. I said, your turn. He got up and I laid down. I passed out in 10 seconds. And about two hours later, he comes in and kicks the cot. It's your turn now. I said, okay, let's get up and go do this thing. You know what? Maybe in America, we were expectant and we were desperate enough. I've been in another country and I watched them driving into the crusade in the back of a dump truck. I didn't know you could get 80 people in the back of a dump truck, but I saw it happen. And they walk and they walk and they come. Why? I'm going to tell you something. The God of a foreign country is still the God of America. And the need of America has never been greater. Do you know America now has the fourth largest number of unsaved people of any country in the world? America now has the fourth largest population of unsaved people of any nation on this planet. How many hear what I'm saying? I'm telling you, it's time that we release a miracle-working God to step back into the moment and grab the heart of this hurting nation. Anybody with me today? So, so here we are. Here we are. Jesus is there to preach. They're packed in the house. They're expected. Here comes these men. They dig a hole in the roof. Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now watch the religious people. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now they're thinking this, right? While Jesus is speaking, they're sitting there thinking and judging him. Watch this. Verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in where? In his what? Spirit. That was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Church family, listen to me. I want you to get this. I want us to re-grip the supernatural power of God and what's available to his church today. Everybody with me? Do we understand that while Jesus walked on this earth for 33 years, that he had laid down all of his privileges of being God in heaven when he was born of a virgin? Not his divine nature. He was fully God, but he chose to limit himself to human ability while on this earth. So how did he know in his spirit what those men were thinking in their hearts? He didn't hear it naturally. It didn't come to him by intuition or ESP or psychic phenomenon. The Bible says there is a gift of the Holy Spirit called the word of knowledge. 
And God, when the need is there, will speak to the spirit of a believer and give you access to information that you could not have any other way. How many hear what I'm saying? You say, well, that works good for Jesus. You might need it one night when your teenager's lying to you about where they've been. You want to get the attention of your kids? They come home one night and you open the door and say, sit down. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Now, tonight you went over there and then you went over there and then you told me you were going to that house. You've been to that house. You're going to get somebody's attention about that time. Now, that's not psychic phenomenon. It's not a fortune teller. It's God loving you and your kids so much. He might just do something supernaturally to enable you to know uh, and have a witness for who Jesus is. Have I lost you already right now? Okay, thank you. Come on. Let, let's watch this. So by the Spirit, he knew what they were thinking. Watch his response. Verse 9. He said, which is easier to say to the paralytic? We're going to find out why miracles happen. Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven... Or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth. Uh, you know, I missed something. Uh, what were they thinking to themselves? They said, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? He knew what they said. He responded to them so that you will know I am the Son of God. So you'll know I am God's Son on this earth. I'm going to say to the paralytic, to him, what did he say? Verse 11, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Verse 12. He got up. He took his mat. He walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And what did they do? They praised God. And then what did they say? We've never seen anything like this. Why does God do miracles? Number one, to validate that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In this mixed up world with all these false religions and everything that's going on, we must have a God intervention so we can validate Jesus as who he says he is. Jesus is the son of God. The second reason God does miracles is so that he will be praised and glorified. Church family, we are supposed to live our lives in a way with an expectancy that God will intervene at certain times in such a fashion that people will not look at us but look at God. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying today? We must begin to believe and understand it's not about us, it's all about God. God wants to do something in your life, through your life, around your life where you have to admit that was God. God wants your unsafe family and friends and co-workers and fellow students and people that live in your neighborhood to have an encounter with God. And they'll have to be amazed and say, look what God has done. That's the power of God. That's what he wants to do. This is why miracles happen. But what I want you to see, I don't want you to miss this because I feel that often uh, Christians kind of categorize this thing. And say, well, you know, apostle so-and-so, or prophet so-and-so, or pastor so-and-so. God might work through their life, but I don't think that God can use me. Can I tell you something? I want to show you a passage of scripture that has such amazing promises, but then I want you to see who he spoke it to, all right? Let's go to Mark chapter 16. I want you to go to verse number 15, and we're going to look again in the Passion Translation. Let me pull this up because I want to make sure we have it ready. Mark chapter 16. I want you to go to verse number 15, and let's, let's, let's see what's spoken here in this moment. Mark 16, 15. How many have that ready to see? Okay. And then he said to them, as you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. How many can say amen to that? As you go into all the world, preach openly 
the wonderful news of the gospel to everyone. Verse 16, whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. Verse 17, and these, are you with me? These miracle signs will accompany those who believe. How many believe in this room in Jesus? How many believe in Jesus? You know, according to what we just read, God's accompanying you. As you share the good news about Jesus with the miracles of God, they accompany us. They walk with us. They go with us when we obey the Lord. Uh, and these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. Look at this. Who, what do we have to be afraid of? They will drive out demons in the power of my name. No demon. Nothing to fear. Nothing that can overcome it. They will speak in tongues. Verse 18. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poison. It doesn't say you play with snakes and drink poison. It says you're protected from it. Come on. Somebody say amen to that. I remember visiting the outlying areas in India and they were telling me about these huge cobra snakes. I wish they hadn't told me about it. They said, these things are 10 and 12 feet long and are poisonous. You know those cobras, they have that hooded thing. And, 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 and so we're driving and, and then we get out, we're walking in this place. And, and, and out across this field, you know, the grass or something growing, it's about that tall. And you're looking out there and all of a sudden, this big old cobra rises up on its tail. He's, he's, he's 10 feet tall and it's just looking around. I'm like, Jesus, Mark 16, Mark 16, Mark 16, Mark 16, Mark 16. I mean, I'm going to tell you, that's scary. I don't know about you. My first instinct wasn't run over there and play with it. My instinct was to run the other way. But God help me. But you know what the Bible promises? Whatever the devil throws at you, whatever the enemy tries to put in your path, whatever obstacle you might face, when we go in the name of the Lord, God is with us, not in our power, but in his power, amen? Not in what we can do, but what God can do. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will heal them. Verse 19, after saying these things, Jesus was lifted up into heaven. This was his last charge to the disciples before he goes to heaven. He was lifted up to heaven, set down at the place of honor at the right hand of God. Look at verse 20. And the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere as the Lord himself, watch this, the Lord himself consistently worked with them. Look at this, validating the message they preached with miracle signs that accompanied them. Look at this. The Lord himself consistently worked with them. How many of you want to walk with Jesus every day? How many want God consistently working in your life? Well, my job is not to do miracles. My job is just tell good news. And God does miracles. Come on, church. My job is just to obey Him. And His job is to do the miracles. When we simply share the good news of Jesus, when we live that life, when we... You don't have to preach. You don't have to have a, a, an ordination. You don't have to have a title. Just share the good news. And God consistently stands by you to validate that message. How many are thankful for that today? But again, we will say, well, is that just for certain people? So this incredible declaration, I want to purposely, let's back up to verse number 14, and I want you to see to whom he said this, all right? You know, sometimes God uses imperfect people. How many heard what I said? Sometimes God uses imperfect people. Look at verse 14. This is to whom he just said this. Then Jesus appeared before the 11 apostles as they were eating a meal, he corrected them for having such hard, unbelieving heart. Oh, hard, 
unbelieving hearts. And he had to correct them. Basically, he said, guys, we need to talk. I'm getting ready to go back to heaven. And I'm leaving this thing in your hands. And you guys have stubborn, unbelieving hearts. Look at this. Because they did not believe those who saw him after his resurrection. Remember, he told them, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be raised from the dead. And those that found the empty tomb first come running and tell them. And these guys go, no way. And so here they are getting ready to lead his church. Him telling them, I'm going to consistently be with you every step of the way. But his last thing he had to say that you are hard and unbelieving. Can I give you some good news today? God's willing to start right where we are. God's willing to come into your moment. We need to stop trying to qualify ourselves. Do you know how you're qualified? By the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you know how you're righteous? By the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Do you know how we're accepted? By the grace of Almighty God. And God is willing to step in the midst of an unbelieving world and take obedient people and say, let's get this thing going. This world needs to remember that Jesus is who he says he is and that God is a big and a mighty God. Can anybody get in on that and say amen to that? So so we have to ask ourselves, Pastor, what causes us to deal with what those apostles dealt with? Why would we as believers deal with this sense of doubt or fear, unbelief that, that, that wants to creep in in these moments? Why would that happen? Well, let's look at Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13, turn there with me. Uh, th- there was a, a moment uh, where the faith, the trust of God's people was unfortunately exposed in a moment here. Here are Numbers 13. Find that please with me. And you know the setting. They, the people of Israel had been miraculously, you have to call it a miracle. What is a miracle? A miracle is just the manifestation of God's power. It's God doing something we can't do. It's a reminder there's nothing too hard for God. Now these Israelites have been slaves for 400 years. God sent Moses as an answer to their prayer through whom his miraculous power would work. And so they had seen these 10 signs. God turned water into blood. There were frogs that covered the place and then they were gone. There were gnats that covered the place and then they were gone. Locusts came in and devoured everything. Hailstorms and lightning bolts. They had seen those things. And while they saw it happening in Egypt, where they were in their area, they were untouched. They had had that night. They were all alive at this time where they put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of their home. And through that night, the death angel kept passing over. Not that house. Not that house. Not that house. As he judged the nation of Egypt. They were there the day they walked out of Egypt, Egyptian bondage after 400 years of slavery. Not a penny earned in four centuries. But God gave them favor with the Egyptians and they loaded them down with the wealth of the nation. And one day the wealthiest nation on the planet shifted their resources into the hands of God's people. They saw that. They lived that. And then when they were trapped by the Red Sea, God parted it. And went over on dry ground. So these are the people I'm talking about, all right? These are the people that had seen that. They were there. They lived it. It was only a few months in the rearview mirror. And they're there at the edge of the promised land. Oh, we're familiar with them wandering for 40 years. But it's because of what they did on this day. God had them ready in just a few months to move in and take their promise. So they're standing on the edge of their promised land. They send 12 spies over, one from each tribe of Israel, 
to check it out and bring back a report. Numbers 13, verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. What did they say? It's exactly like God said it was. Everything he said is true. We saw it. Then we get to verse number 28. But that word stopped more miracles. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified. And we saw very, uh, and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, the giants. So they were very familiar with their enemies, but had lost their consciousness of God. They forgot all these miracles they'd just seen. Let's watch this. They, they began to enumerate all these reasons. They said in verse 29, the Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. See, see, faith in God is not denying there's an enemy, there's an obstacle, there's a problem. Faith says, I see it, but I see God too. I see the problem, but I still see God's faithfulness. Everybody with me today? You understand that? Have you ever heard a group of people get together and talk themselves into doom, gloom, and despair? We've got this problem. We've got that problem. We, you know, sometimes we get a little older. You know, I got arthritis. I got bursitis. I got rheumatitis. I don't, you know, I got this. And and and, and young people say, you know what? I'm never going to get a job. I'm never going to own a home. I, I'm never going to get this. How am I going to pay my student loan off? Let me tell you something. We serve the God who is Jehovah Jireh, the provider God. And if you will trust your God, there's no giant too big. There's no dollar sign too big. There's no health problem too big. I want to tell you today, the people that go in, the people that see the miracles are the people who simply say, God, I see the obstacle, but I know my God is with me. Can somebody say amen to that? But look at verse 30. See, you have an option. You have an option. They're saying we can't do it. We can't do it. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Now, he saw the same thing they saw. He saw the same people, the same city, but he also saw his God. He said, God can do this thing. Let's keep reading. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. There's the fundamental problem. They're not, miracles are not about you and me. They're about God. They said, we can't do it because we're not big enough. That wasn't the issue. God didn't say, you're the source. He said, I'm the source. He said, I'll go with you. I'll be with you. I'll go before you. I'll be your strength. The problem is where we stumble, guys, on allowing God to do something bigger than us is that all we can see is ourselves. God, I'm not strong enough. God, I can't do this. Let's keep reading. Verse 32. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land was we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there of great size. Now that's an exaggeration. Everyone wasn't a giant. Some were large people, but not everyone. Have you ever noticed how fear multiplies things? Have you ever noticed how when you begin to talk despair and gloom, little people become giants? Little problems become big problems? Do you know that in my journey with the Lord in regard to miracles, I don't have all the answers. I don't know, and I've told you that before. I don't know why they always happen, why they sometimes haven't happened, who they happen for, where they happen, when they happen. I don't know all those things. And I can let that so overwhelm me that I stop believing. 
that I stop trusting, that I stop asking. Or I can say, God, it's your word. It's your will. It's your plan. I trust you. I'm going to go in. I'm going to do what you said. I'm not going to exaggerate this thing. They say in verse 33, we saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. Now watch, this is their summation. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. What happened to them? What, 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 what caused them to doubt? The Bible says in the next chapter, Caleb followed God with his whole heart. He followed God with his heart, not just his eyes. He followed God with his trust, not just his eyes. Do you know that these people saw the same giants, Caleb and the other 11, and they also had access to the same God? Do you know it's possible for you and I to follow God but not really see what he's doing? Do you know it's possible to be a Christian and go to church and go through the motion and miss the faithfulness of God in our life? Do you know that we can so get our eyes on the things that we're missing that we miss the things God's doing? They follow with their heart. He did. They followed another way. You know, it's, it's, it's like they had become inoculated to the miracles of God. It's like they couldn't see him anymore. I, I recounted to you all the things they had seen God do. But maybe we need to ask ourselves today, what have we seen God do? What have you seen God do in your life? Anybody here uh, seen God do something that you had no answer for? Anybody seen God make a way when you didn't know how he was going to make a way? Anybody ever had a moment in your life where you thought you were going one way and the Holy Spirit made a divine detour and you drove right into a miracle you weren't even thinking about? Anybody here ever had to say God kept a promise to me? Why do we forget those things? Why do those things get behind us? It's like we miss these moments. I believe there are times that we have experienced miracles while we're waiting on a miracle and we didn't even recognize them. I think sometimes we miss the miracles keeping us alive while we're waiting for the miracle to do something big inside our life. You know, I have to say, God, you probably kept some people in this room alive by the power of God. Your miracle is going to come. Come on. You're going to see God do what he said. You're going to find him working. Sometimes the miracle I think I need is not the one God has planned for me. Sometimes I'm looking here and God has something better for me. Sometimes I want it this way and God does it in a different way. God is faithful to do what he said. And I refuse to lose my faith because I forget the miracles God does for me on a regular occasion. Church family can happen in the church. It can happen in the church. The same thing that happened to them in Numbers 13. The same scenario where God sovereignly proved himself again and again and again. We can miss that if we don't keep our eyes on what God is doing. You know, to me, uh, it, it's, it, it's fascinating. I go through the New Testament. Listen, there are two words used all the time, grace and power. Remember the word for miracle is the Greek word dunamis. It's just translated power. Sometimes the power of God is translated miracle. Power, miracle. That word dunamis is written 120 times in the New Testament. Do you know what normal Christianity was in the New Testament? The power of God. Normal Christianity was encountering God's power. What's happened to us today in the church is what was normal then has become abnormal now. It was a regular occurrence. They saw God. They saw his power. They experienced his miracles. It, it was amazing. Grace and power. Grace and power, the, the, the charismatic gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 we read about. The word charismata means grace and power, spiritual gift, 
gifts of grace. Do you know who God uses? People who've been born again. People who've had the grace of God happen in their life. People who are still working through their unbelief. People who are still struggling to get through to the next place. God's grace comes with his power. Can somebody thank God? God's grace comes with his power. I don't earn it. Power comes with grace. Thank God. Go to Galatians 3 with me. Let me show you the struggle. We have to make sure we don't fall into this trap. Galatians 3 and verse number 1. There's something about my human nature that wants to doubt. How many heard what I just said? There's something about human nature that wants to take control. There's something about human nature who say, God, I'll let you save me, which is a strange statement, but I'll take over from there. God, I, I know you used to, but I don't know if you're still doing it. God, I trust you to do it, but are you still doing this in my life? You know, we, we, we'll let him start. Look at Galatians 3 and verse 1. Paul says, this church is the one he began. It's still young. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn one thing from you. Look at these questions. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Look at this next one. Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Everything God does above our abilities through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we're saved. That's how we're healed. That's how God does miracles. And so he's asking this church, wait a minute. You've seen God's power. You've seen the Holy Spirit work. And why are you regressing now? Why are you trying to take back and do yourselves what you saw God do? Verse 5, he says, Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard. Here's a church that saw miracles. Here's a church that were familiar with the work of the Holy Spirit. And he said, you're trying to pull back. Church family, what is this thing, this entropy that we deal with in the Spirit where God does something amazing and then we try to take control again? It's like we'll let God do what we want Him to do, but we won't surrender. We'll, we'll let God bless us, but will we trust Him? See, he said, you began in the spirit and now you're pulling back. What is this thing? I think we've almost taught the church to be intimidated by the work of the Holy Spirit. We've tried to mystify the miracles. We've tried to uh, locate them or isolate them to just a few people. I believe the church has almost been taught to resist the work of the Holy Spirit. You know what I think what happens? I think we like to be in control. We want to know what we're going to do. We want to plan what we want to do. We don't want God to intervene and get in our way. Come on, how many hear what I'm saying? We like it to be the way we want it to be. God, you, you, we, we, we treated the Holy Spirit like a disobedient child on Sunday morning. Sent him off to a Sunday school room and say, if we need you, we'll call you. He's in charge. Anybody with me right now? He's the Holy Spirit. He's God's uh, presence in our life. I think what we're afraid of is we might have some miracles. And we don't know what to do with them. We might have an Acts chapter 3 moment where the lame man who's been laid at the gate beautiful and begged his whole life and then Peter and John walked by after having been baptized in the Holy Spirit and he begged for alms and they say, we don't have money but we've got something you need 
in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and be healed. And that lame man jumped up on his feet. And you know what he did? He goes running into the temple. And he said, look at this. He was running and leaping and praising God. And it blew the temple up. The religious people said, you can't come run in here. You can't come jump around in here. Who are you? You don't have a title. Who, who do you think you are? You know what we're afraid of? We're afraid God will do what he said he would do and wreck our plans. Anybody listening to me today? He'll go, you know, I, let me tell you something. When a lame man gets healed, you come out of a wheelchair here. Lame man comes up. Blind man sees. Deaf man here. Take off running at Calvary. I'll jump right in behind you and we'll have a celebration. The rest of you can watch and act like Pharisees. I think we're afraid. I think the church is afraid that God will do what he said. That it will change life and rip us up, move us in another direction. What if somebody prays in tongues? Well, what if we, good, that's what they say in the Bible. See, I think there's a sense of people saying, God, what are we going to do? I believe on a bottom line, church family, God's looking for a chance to meet a need. You know why he moves? Because you have a need. Because someone is hurting. Because a marriage needs a miracle. Because a, a person bound with, a, with an addiction needs a miracle. Because someone is trapped in a stronghold in a sin pattern they can't get out of and they need a miracle. I'm going to tell you there's some strongholds, some patterns, some sins, some bondage that people have in their life. And there is no human explanation for how you get out of that. Do you hear what I said? You're not going to be talked out of that. You're not going to be counseled out of that. Well, we believe in counseling. We do counseling here. It's biblical counseling where we connect people with the truth of God's word. But I want you to hear me. There's some strongholds. There's some bondage that are not just human. They're from the devil himself. They're demonic. They're spirits. And they control people's lives. And I'm going to tell you, when you encounter demonic bonds and strongholds, there's only one way you come out from under that. The power of God is greater. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And somewhere, someplace, the church needs to regain its reputation. If nobody can help you, there's help in the name of Jesus Christ. If you can't be set free, we know the one who can set you free. I shared the testimony just in the last few weeks of the lady that we were called from, from, from a mental institution, a woman who was on suicide watch 24 hours a day, seven point restraint because if they loosed her, she would kill herself and there was nothing anybody could do. And finally, as a last resort, they turned to the church. And when we discovered her problem was that she was demon possessed in the name of Jesus, the demons were cast out and that lady has been free and well and whole for 20 years now is a member of this church and serves God. You have to understand there are certain things that only a miracle will change. And can I tell you this? When you need a miracle, it's too late to start trying to believe in them for the first time. <laughs> we better recognize them along the way. We need to say, God, we're just ordinary people. Like those disciples, we're trying to get there. But God will start where we are. It's all about him. It's not about us. It's about bringing glory and honor to God. There's this place where God wants to move in and show himself faithful to us. You know, I, 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 I want to uh, bring you to one last passage. Let, let's go back in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 5. For 40 years. I want to go to verse number 13. For 40 years. Israel turned back 
from that moment we read in Numbers 13. Because their doubt, their fear, they forgot the God who could do miracles. And they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And now here we are in Joshua. They're getting a second chance. I don't know about you, but what Patty Valenzuela shared with us has not left me about things that God wants to do, but they've been delayed because the church won't cry out. Because people aren't desperate enough to say, God, whatever, whatever, whatever. Here we are, God. Here there are delayed 40 years. And they come back around for another chance. You remember what we read in Numbers 13? They said, man, there are giants there. There are big walled cities there. It's just not going to work. We just can't do it. And, and, and I want to ask you a question. Could it be that what doubt and fear see as a giant? See, because when you doubt God, you, you back way up over here. Anybody with me understand? You're over here at a distance. And so you're trying to look there and you're going, oh, that looks like a giant to me. That, 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 that looks bad to me. I look over there. I'm not going over there. No, no. What if? What if? This thing that looked like a giant when I'm way over here doubting and afraid. What if the very thing I thought was protecting this city God said was mine, holding back what belongs to me? What if that giant that I'm looking back from way over here, what if he was actually not a giant but an angel that God had placed to help me when I got there? What if this thing that looks impossible is actually something there for my good? What if this thing that I misunderstood as a problem actually was a solution? What if this thing that I looked at from fear and doubt and, and, and I don't want to trust him and I got amnesia and forgot all my miracles, got it done, and I'm over here languishing in this place. What if God was doing something? Look at Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Now when Joshua was where? What does it say? He was where? Near Jericho. See, nobody had ever gotten that close for 40 years. Nobody had stepped across into that land. Nobody had, nobody until then had walked through the Jordan River on dry ground. Have you ever thought it interesting that they came out of Egypt through the Red Sea on dry ground? And that they went into the promised land through the Jordan River on dry ground? You know what that says to me? It says to me that there are some people in life, I've been there before, that the only way I'm going to get out of this dead season is God going to have to do a miracle and open up a door for me to walk through something I could not walk through if God himself had done that? And so they come through and nobody had ever been this close. And so now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up. Okay? There's a big bad boy standing there. He looked up and what did he do? He saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword. That's a little intimidating, isn't it? But he's close. In his hand. Watch this. Watch this. We got to get this. I'm going to work on you for a minute here, okay? Put your steel toe shoes on. Everybody with me? Put your seatbelt on for a minute. Everybody good? We good? You want the whole truth, nothing but the truth, or a little patty cake? What do you want? Okay, I'm going to take, I think I heard. All right. So, so what does he do? He walks up and look what he says. He sees this imposing angelic figure. That everybody else thought was a giant to oppose them. But it was an ally God had set there to help them in that moment. And he walks up to him. He said, I got a question for you. And he, his question was, are you for us or for our enemies? Are you for me or are you for them? And what did he say to them? Neither. I love that. 
I'm not on your side. You better get on God's side. <laughs> I'm not on your side. I'm on God's side. Can I tell you something in the church? If nobody else gets it, we better get it in the church. Because I believe that we're standing on the edge of a miracle. I believe God wants to send an awakening to the United States of America. I believe He wants to wake up our little boys and girls over there in, 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 our, in those classes right now and for them to encounter the miracle power of God. I believe that God wants our kids to see a miracle before the devil gets a shot at them. I believe our students that see the sin and degradation of this world. My God, I'm going to tell you, I thank God when I grew up I didn't have the, the internet bothering me. I, I didn't have to deal with that. These boys and girls today, you listen to me, dealing with what they deal with, we better connect them to the God so big, great, and powerful that they see him more real than all this stuff going on. You think a little patty cake, dried up, dead religion is going to keep a teenager today serving God? I'm telling you, you got a better chance of an ice cube in hell than a teenager serving God without a real encounter. We must have young men and young women who have walked with God with you and me and have encountered the supernatural power of God and so amazed them that what they see in this world they know my God's greater. But here's where the church is playing and you better listen to me and not miss it. Here's what's happening even in the church. We're walking up and saying whose side are you on God? Are you a Democrat or Republican? Don't shout me down. Which human personality are you condoning, God? Which human institution are you lining up for? I'm telling you that God's going to say to the church what he said to Joshua. When we say, whose side are you on? He said, neither side. I'm on the side of God and the church better wake up. And we better make our loyalty above political parties and institutions and personalities. We better put our faith in almighty God. We better be willing to say it's not whose side, who's on my side. I want to ask today, who's on the Lord's side? Who's willing to walk off from what they've had and say, God, I'm on your side. You and I may need to leave some friends. We may need to walk off on some family. We may have to line up and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I want to follow you. I'm telling you, when you get close to your miracle, you're going to have to make some choices about whose side you're on. So he comes and he says, hey, I'm neither. Man, I love that. Whose side are you on? God walked in and said, you're asking the wrong question, son. I'm not on anybody's side. You better get on my side. You better line up for me. All these personalities that are dividing the church are nothing but puppets being controlled by principality. We better fight the real battle. We better go after what is real if we're going to see this thing happen. So are you for us or our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I want to be on the side of the Lord's side. Come on. As commander, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? I know the church needs an encounter with God. Where we quit worrying about whose side. And in reverence we fall before Almighty God and say, God, I'm going to shut my mouth. I've been foolish. Anybody listening to me? Just what do you have? I'm, I'm not going to talk anymore. What's your message? What do you want me to do? When's the last time we've been in awe of God? When's the last time the church has been in awe of God? When is the last time the world we live in has been in awe of God? We spend so much time, energy, and effort dealing with the things of man. 
working through institutions that are man-made when we need to present a God who is so awesome and real that they marvel at Him, that they are astonished at Him, that we are humbled and reverenced by Him, that we are caught in the middle of our busy life and we're reminded again, oh God, there is no one like you. Miracles need to happen to remind you and me in our life that God is who He says He is. He's able to do anything he wants to do. I want the worship team to join me. Church family, I want to say to you, we have an incredible opportunity right now that we can encounter God, not because we're so great, not because we're so worthy, not because we're so big, but we have an opportunity to release him into our culture, to release him into our homes, to release him into our neighborhood, for people to once again be reminded, you and I need to be reminded. He's who he says he is. He's a God who is able. It's not as God on my side. The question is, am I on God's side? I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray together before we go today. God, I want to ask you today, who's on the Lord's side? Huh? Who's on the Lord's side today? Who's willing to say, Lord, whatever it takes. Lord, whatever it takes. I'm with you. I'm for you. Online, who's on the Lord's side? Standing with me today, who's on the Lord's side? I believe God wants to show himself real and mighty. I believe God wants us to let to close the door of where we've been and start moving into a new season in your life. I want you to hear me today. God wants to move you out of your trap into your freedom. God wants to move you out of that. See, he parted the Red Sea and got them out of Egypt. He parted the Jordan River and got them into the promised land. God wants to bring you out of that dead season into a new season. Are you with me? But it's going to say, God, I surrender. I yield myself. Everything is in your hand. And this is what I want us to do. What did, what did Joshua do? He came near. Today, I want to ask you to build an altar right where you are. Not physically, but spiritually. Are you with me? I want you to forget about what's about to happen next. I want you to forget about what happened before you came here. And I want you to just come to this place of vulnerability before God. I believe God wants to do miracles in Calvary. I believe God wants to do miracles in this place right now. And your miracle may be that your hope was released again. And I've seen some marriages, to be honest, only a miracle is going to change that house. But I've seen God do it time and again. I've seen people that grew up in abuse and they're wounded and they're hurt. It's not fair. It's not fair. But I've seen God heal those people. Inside. Some of the worst scars of life are not on the outside. They're on the inside. I've seen people healed and set free. I've seen Him do Abusive situations, dysfunctional families. You don't have to live like that. You know, Pastor Tony shared his testimony with us before. He grew up with an alcoholic father. He's got a thousand excuses not to be who he is today. But he took God at his word. Are you with me? Miracles, miracles. Where God just shows his power. Where he walks into that impossible situation and says, I'm not through with you. How many are thankful? He's not through with us. For people that wandered around 40 years in the wilderness in a dead-end circle <laughs> gives you another chance if you'll come near. and says what you thought was a giant is me. I've been waiting on you all this time. Boy, when I read that, I refuse to waste 40 years of my life. And I shot at a miracle. Come on. How many willing to say, I'm going to get near. I'm going to get close. I want to get as close as I can. 
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.